Hey, Linux Journalers. I am Catherine Druckmann with LinuxJournal.com. I am with Doc Searles, Editor-in-Chief of Linux Journal and Corbin Champion of Userland and another startup today. And I am hoping Corbin will tell us a little bit more about himself before we get started. Yeah, hi. Um, thank you for having me on. Um, I am the general manager of Userland, and uh, Userland uh, is an app right now that it only exists as an Android app, but it's an app that allows you to run a full Linux distribution on your phone without having to root your phone. Um, it's a follow on some previous work I did, but now it's like being fully supported and fully funded. And uh, we had our first production release just a couple weeks ago. Um, before doing Userland, I was a hardware engineer. Um, but, uh, in a, but now, in addition to doing Userland, we're working on a, another not yet public uh, security focused or privacy focused um, startup uh, that we'll probably touch on a little bit later. That sounds pretty great. Um, I've actually tried Userland a little bit, and I am oh, good. Pretty, I'm pretty impressed. Um, I should mention, just for clarity, that Corbin is under the same corporate umbrella as Linux Journal. Now, yes. that said, we would still want to talk to him anyway because he's super cool and is working on some pretty cool projects. But, uh, yeah, I should okay. add this, Doc, that there, there are really very few projects in the world that um, – that come from the user side, they come from the individual side as clearly as the stuff that uh, Corbin's working on does, which is a big thrill for me personally. So this is episode five of our podcast, Reality 2.0. And we've talked a little bit about privacy before um, with both with Doc and, and, and with Kyle Rankin. Um, and I wondered, Corbin, what is your team doing to protect users' privacy and security on Userland? Okay, that's a good question. Um, so on Userland, Userland uh, is more, we, we have these two startups we're, we're building. Userland is one, and the other one, internally, we just call it or. But like Userland is more, we think about it as being about empowering the end user uh, to give them this full Linux distribution where before they just had like a play thing, a phone where they could play Angry Birds or something silly like that. Um, but... Uh, the other project we're working on, or we call ORB, is very privacy related, and uh, we're trying to do a lot of technology sharing between them. And so while Userland is focused on empowering someone as opposed to securing their privacy, we're doing a whole lot of things to make sure that their data is secure and that their use is private. Um, specifically, what we've done is uh, we're building out a cloud service right now um, that'll, that'll accompany what you see in Userland uh, already on your phone. And in that, we're like we're building our own like custom Linux distro. And the reason we're doing that is we're like removing all logging. Like uh, except the only thing we haven't removed so far is kernel D message, which is like that's hard to remove. Um, but we've removed all kind of standard logging such that when you use our cloud service, uh, there's no trace of it that um, you don't want sticking around. Um, we do that for a few reasons. One is it's just very it's a very clean architecture. But two, it's also we want you to know that like this is your device, even though it might be in the cloud. This is this is yours, and what you're doing on it is private. Um, we went beyond that though. We like when we when we run this cloud service, we're using like container networking, and we've made it so we can start your box for you. We can know that your box is running, and we can stop your box when you want it. 
but we don't even know what machine in the world it's running on. Uh, we don't like it literally like we, we don't even have access to your box after we start it. We literally start it up, throw away the keys and hand it to you. Um, so we're doing we're going to extraordinary measures to make sure what you're doing is both secure and private. Um, and that's for userland, but also for Orm. Mm, that's great. So I really quickly, um, I wondered if you wanted to plug a talk that you're giving um, next week or at the end of this week, correct? Um, yeah, yeah, this, uh, this Saturday, um, this Saturday at noon local time uh, at Bristol in, in Bristol, England, uh, and specifically it's pre-node live. And yeah, um, we're going to be talking in depth about user land, both like what, what is the problem we're addressing? Uh, what have we done so far? And then even going into what's coming next, like, for example, that cloud service that I was mentioning. Yeah, that's cool. So, I, I, I saw it briefly. Too, by oh, the sorry. way, uh, so Corbin and I will both both be there. I think we're like among 16 or so people that are going to be speaking here. Ah, okay. Um, very cool. Um, I noticed in, in a little blurb on up on the Freenode Live website that you mentioned empowering users who who may um, only have a mobile device as you know that's the only computer available to them, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's um, you know for someone like me having userland. Uh, is cool because I can use Linux on the go. So I have like a bazillion devices and even more so now that I'm doing Android development, I've got all these test devices, but like I have all these devices. Um, and so the value of my mobile phone is like it's mobile. And so, yeah, I can do fun things or even work things uh, on the go with Usaland. Um, but to someone else, like a kid who uh, where a cell phone is more valuable to them than having a car these days, uh, and that's the device they're being given by their parents instead of like maybe a laptop or a desktop, uh, or maybe even more importantly, like someone in the developing world who only has a mobile device as their only compute device. Uh, we really want like them to not just have, like I said, Angry Birds. We want them to have like a full-blown Linux distro uh, in case they're the type of person that wants to go further. I think that's that's kind of exciting. You know, it's it's encouraging to think about. You know, kids who may not have access to you know the hardware that 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 some do, and taking this device and sort of going further with it. Um, so something you mentioned before about um, being secure in a cloud environment. What are your thoughts on running your own server to control your own data versus using cloud services? That's something that we've talked about you know in previous uh, podcasts, and I wondered if you could kind of give your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, you should do it. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the summary. Um, but uh, there's there's some issues, and actually, the project I, I referenced Orb is going to address some of these. Right now, there's some technical issues that make it so. Like, if you're like you and me, and you you played around, especially if you played around on Linux, maybe you've got you're a little bit tech savvy. Um, you can get you can get these things running. You can get your own calendar contacts servers. You can get your own email server, uh, etc. Um, but you need like to be, have a little bit of like knowledge to begin with, and you need to like go through like a weekend of pain. Like you got to be willing to like be a little bit <laughs> of a and then you got to like maintain this stuff. And um, for the most part, like there's really good packages like like Nextcloud or OwnCloud. They like solve a bunch of this, but they don't solve email. And uh, there's been some newer startups like I think Helm was one that announced the release of their product like just like a week ago or two weeks ago that addresses the email side of things as well. They're not open source yet, it looked like, but but anyway. Um, 
but all together, it's like they, people are making this easier. Um, or we're going to try to make kind of that space, like kind of, you know, um, just click on the app icon easy, like setting up a Chromecast easy. Um, so I think you should do it. I think even though we haven't released the thing we're working on, you should go ahead and do it and use someone else's tool. Um, and it, but I think right now, like, you know, this month of 2018, you have to plan on you're going to go through a little bit of pain. Um, but as the world moves forward, as people become more aware uh, about the issues related to their data being in the hands of uh, corporations or governments, et cetera, uh, these tools will get better and better. And we'll, we'll eventually see it, hopefully, be fairly normal for someone to run their own uh, infrastructure, either locally or in the cloud. Hopefully. Yeah, I, I like I, your add there that it, a, a couple of things. Part of it's a, just a statement, and the other is a, a question because um, I got, I, I mean, I have my own server. It's a Linux server running in on a rack somewhere. Um, and that's uh, the, the rack is owned by Rackspace. In fact, we go back all the way with Rackspace. Linux Journal, I think, may have been Rackspace's very first corporate customer, pretty close to it. Um, but on the email front, Oh my God! You know, I I had to hire somebody else. I mean, and, and again, I in fact I did use Rackspace for ten bucks a month. They have five five addresses that they take care of. And the fortunate thing with with email is that you can even if you're hiring somebody else to do it for you, you can put it all. You can move it from place to place. It's very portable. It runs on open protocols. And where I'm going with that, Corbin, is toward sort of an open-ended question but it's one i think you're possibly really uniquely in position to answer what what an individual wants whether they're really technically savvy or not uh, is a combination of of a kind of uh, security isn't even the the right word it's just a sense of safety on one side um which we have in the physical world we walk around we feel fairly safe we're wearing clothes those are privacy technologies people respect that and and it's not controversial but you have a sense of safety on one hand and on the other hand a sense of of we've been talking about agency of power in the world where we can project our our independence our liberty our ability to operate in the world um on our own not not through Google or Facebook or some other platform, and and we're cut, we're sort of at the end of the platform era, I think, and we're moving back fully distributed ones where each of us really has, like we would on a bicycle, we have a sense of our own independence and our own ability to operate. Where if we make an action, we know it's our, it's us, it's our body, our it's our mind making this action and not some intermediary. And I'm wondering. What, how what you're working on speaks to that need because we even most of us haven't had that. It's like I'm on an Apple phone, I'm on a Google phone, I'm relying on these other parties to help me operate as an entity in the world. How can I get the feeling of being both safe and um, power empowered in the digital world, just like we are in the physical one? Okay, interesting. Um, so I think specifically in this the space where we're talking about like running your own server, that sort of thing. Um, like I said, there are some there are some barriers, but uh, right now you're kind of you're kind of worried about um, you know, okay, if I'm a Google user, what is what is Google gonna do with my data? Um, 
if I'm an Apple user, what is Apple going to do now? Apple's done some pretty good job, a pretty good job there. But um, you kind of have this worry about, am, is it my data or is it theirs? You know, is, is my contact list mine or is it theirs? Who, whose property is it? And, um, and, and there's been certain companies recently, I mean, we could go down a whole list, that have given us reason to want more control and to want more, uh, you know, to be more autonomous of, of their walled gardens or however you want to phrase it. Um, now, right now, their big carrot is free, how free it is and how convenient it is. And um, what we're doing uh, when we launch our cloud service, uh, it won't be free. It'll be kind of like exchanging, you know, something hopefully very low, a couple bucks a month. Uh, for knowing that you're fully in control. And what we're doing to make it so you know you're fully in control is um, everything we do will be open source um, and free as in speech. Um, and you can, of course, you have to be pretty technically technically savvy to audit, audit it, but that means someone could. Um, secondly, in that, in our infrastructure you will be able to see that we don't have like we don't even have access to your your data it's encrypted with a key you create not we create and we also pass as much as we can around our network uh, using HTTPS to the outside world using a key and a key that you came up with again and so really we're like we look like uh, network infrastructure hardware like the data is flowing through us but we don't have any idea what that data is. And we want to make sure that we kind of follow those principles that it's your data, it's your, you have the right to privacy. We're just providing a, a, a really connectivity service. And uh, we, want you, we want you to from, you know, start to end to know that you are, you are safe in this environment. I think that's interesting. So, Back to your your uh, weekend of pain analogy, which I think is hilarious and accurate. I don't think anybody is listening to this that has not regularly experienced weekends of pain in order to meet some end goal, technically anyway. Um, but I'm wondering, like, do you see yourself uh, working on something that's sort of bridging between the weekend of pain and the sort of like ease of, you know, hitting a, a little button on your iPhone? Yeah, so that's exactly what that's exactly what we're going for. And um, so we want it to look as just as simple as possible and look as familiar as possible. I think like um, recently uh, Tim Berners-Lee came out with an announcement. I think the product was called like a pod and it was like your own personal server and it was to help decentralize the web. And we totally like support that idea. And, uh, and if people build the things we want to build because we think the world needs it and they build it first, we're cool with that because like we're totally about the mission. Um, but uh, that product was a little bit different in like how it handled functionality you're familiar with. And our goal is to, is to not kind of rebuild the internet or rebuild the services you used to. Our goal is to just like make it look as familiar as possible. And so like, yeah, it's just like a normal contact server, but it's yours and you run it. And when you click on the contacts app icon, it does what it's supposed to do, right? So we want it to all look exactly like it normally would. We just want to give you a choice or, or we want to give you full control over your data and we want to give you a choice about where that data is residing. That's pretty cool. I, I look forward to living in the future. <laughs> I think yeah. this will be cool. 
Um, so what advice do you have for our listeners? And, and Doc, please feel free to jump in here too, um, who want to protect their identity online. Uh, so, I mean, there's, we talked about running your own server. Um, that helps mm-hmm. more like you guard your digital property, you know, your emails, your contacts, et cetera. But like when you're, when, when you switch the conversation to being about privacy online, um, you guys have obviously talked about it a, a bit over the last few podcasts. Um, but one thing that I haven't heard touched on so far is uh, what I call separation of concerns, or I don't just call that, other people call that too. Um, and what I mean by that is, is uh, first, like, um, why are you engaging with a given, you know, website? Okay, so you're engaging it because you want to make a public statement. Okay, then go down the list. Do you want that public statement to be in your name, et cetera? And so, you know, I personally create multiple accounts, sometimes even for the same service, because I want to keep uh, boundaries between different types of conversations, different audiences, et cetera. Um, but you can go further and further. I mean, you can like say, okay, this browser tab is for this purpose. You know, you can open up a private browsing tab on Firefox or an incognito tab on Chrome, and you can say this tab is for this one purpose. Um, this makes it so you're, 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 you're private, right? They, they don't know who you are anymore because all those cookies are gone and you're, you know, they don't know what Gmail account you're coming from, et cetera. So, you know, that's another example of separation of concerns. But you can go even further. You could run like CubeOS and be like, this, this, you know, this virtual machine is for this one purpose. I'm going to open that email that I'm, I'm wondering about that attachment in this window, or I'm going to post that thing that might get me fired if I was to, you know, <laughs> my regular name in this account or whatever you're doing, hopefully not the last one. But, um, like, you can keep these things separate using the current technology, and I'm a big fan of that. So, you know, privacy tabs, using virtual machines to do certain tasks, um, you know, using using different accounts, just keep everything separate. Uh, because I think, I mean, Doc knows this really well. Um, we are products right now. Like people are buying data, and it looks all like like military signal intelligence. Like they're just collecting information about you to build this really comprehensive profile of your likes and dislikes, mm-hmm. so they can recommend articles to you, friends to you, products to you, whatever they want to recommend to you. And the more data they have in that vault, the more valuable it is. Like they they might understand Corbin really well, or maybe they don't. Um, so keeping those things separate kind of makes it so they're it's not as their their pot's not as valuable and also okay. you know private. Yeah, so let me add a couple of things to that. One is and, and I and I'll conclude say it quickly and kind of conclude with the question. Um we're really at a very early stage with all this stuff because you know, we've we've had privacy in the physical world for 50,000 years since we invented clothing and shelter and we haven't got it online yet. And um, our parent company here, LTM, London Trust Media, is like very committed to that. That's one reason that Linux Journal and uh, everything Corbin's doing are, are related at this point. We're all sort of on the same team and figuring this out. But we, the signaling about privacy is really very, very poor at this early stage. I'm thinking, for example, Corbin, you brought up earlier that Apple is trying to do some good stuff here. But I think most people don't know that, for example, if they have an iPhone, that or for that matter, uh, uh, an Apple laptop, the newer ones anyway, that the fingerprint that's remembered um, is not remembered in the cloud. It's remembered on the device. It's And Apple doesn't have access to that. Apple doesn't want access to that. But 
we don't know that. It's not obvious. There's no way to make that obvious um, unless there's some signal of that. And, and you know, what? one of the things we're working on uh, separately, this is with Customer Commons, which is a nonprofit I'm involved with, um, is that if we have terms and the terms are agreed to by the other party. Um, I mean, today I was I was looking at um, I was actually out out near the the Google campuses by the by the by the Computer History Museum last week in in uh, the Bay Area, and there were these Lime bicycles. There's this new company called Lime that they scatter bicycles in a in a city, or they scatter scooters. And you you meet a scooter, you scan their QR code, you get to download an app, and now you're renting this thing. You give them only your phone number, and you can rent this. You can rent these devices and ride, drive them around. What do they know about you? Uh, why? I mean, you know, there's no there's no clear signal of that. And earlier today, I was looking at their terms. Well, nobody wants to look at somebody else's terms to see how things are being used. You need your own terms for this. But again, even if we have those, how do we signal them? What are the symbols? Uh, what are any of those things? And and I'm wondering, Corbin, if you've given much much thought to that in the work you're doing. That's a that's a really good question. I mean, you almost want like a you know, one of those simple little icons or something on a device to kind of really quickly inform you. Like, you know, think about like a movie rating or something. You want like a real quick, you know, indication that this is, you know, secure and and, and actually have some idea of what that means. Um, but right now, like anyone can say their service is private or the service is secure or or whatever they want. And how would you measure that, you know, Qualitatively, so I haven't thought about exactly um, how we message that to users in a more sensible way than other people have. Um, our, our initial audience will be um, probably more tech savvy people, and mm. so we can talk a little bit more at length about our feature set and what uh, privacy that provides them, and they might stick around for the messaging. But that's a really good question about how you, you know, quickly convey that same message to other people. Um, we certainly don't want to use like fear mongering and, and, you know, talk about Corporation A or Corporation B having this or that problem. Um, but we do want to quickly, in some sensible way, show people that we don't have that problem. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I actually don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think yeah, nobody does yet. <laughs> so there's nothing new there. I mean, but it is an interesting thing. I, um, back in 1998, when um, uh, oh, Netscape, OK, when when Mark Andreessen uh, led the effort at Netscape to open source that that browser, which ultimately became uh, the Firefox browser on Mozilla, I think all the original code got thrown out but in any case that was the that was the effort at the time he just had he had this one liner he just dropped it in the middle of the interview he said well all technology trends start with technologists and so that's consistent with what you were saying i mean it's we're going these are going to have early adopters and they're going to be tech savvy people the technologists are going to take the lead on this thing and we'll figure it out gradually and then at some point we'll make it simple for everybody else but we don't want to get stuck there i think that we sort of have to keep the the individual in mind of like what's actionable here you know what it's kind of like when they first made cars i imagine they didn't have a little symbol by the lever that would open the gas cap or open the hood you know you just knew there was a thing down there um, but after a while we developed a kind of um descriptive you know visual language for 
you know, the gas tank and, uh, and other things like that. It's just a, you don't have to work that stuff out. Yeah. I'm not, a, not definitely not a marketing expert and, 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 uh, we certainly know a lot about the technology, but like, for example, one, one of the things we're playing with is like, where does your data live? And we actually will have options for your data to live in the cloud or your data to live on your own server or your data to even live on your phone, like in your pocket. Um, so we need to somehow message to people, you know, what advantage or disadvantage there is to each. And we've talked about this a bit because, for example, you're in the cloud, you're subject to hypervisor attacks. Hey, what are we doing about that? And mm -hmm. how do you how do you say that in a simple way to the end user? Um, if it's at your home, well, now they now need a warrant to enter. OK, that's cool. Um, but now you're subject to, you know, the, the evil maid attack, you know, the physical attack of someone mm -hmm. who device and then or 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 you know adding snooping physically um uh, so what what are we doing about that or if it's in your pocket well now you're 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 really secure you could even defend it physically if you need to um but uh you're now subject to like um searches of your person which are sometimes a little bit easier to uh conduct uh than they are of your of your you know your home so we have to somehow tell people like, here's your three choices. Why would you choose one versus the other? But make that simple. It's not a it's not an easy task to explain. Yeah. Well, some of it's just a matter of translation. I mean, uh, Unix directory paths, um, which everybody sees, for example, in a URL today. Um, you know, it was, I think it was Xerox even before it was uh, Apple that said, oh no, that's a folder. That's a folder inside a folder inside a folder, and. Uh, the notion of a desktop rather than a screen um, came along, and a laptop. I mean, the people could see, even if, you know, and, and, and we sort of developed a language around these things that in many cases just interpreted the technical and the, the formal technical into the vernacular of, of everyday language. Um, and even when things change, I mean, phones are not really phones anymore. Phone telephony is just one app on on a, a handheld computer, but you don't call that thing a computer. You still call it a phone, but everybody knows what it is. So it's a simple, and it, and it works like a phone. You hang, you put it up against your head and it works like an old phone used to. Um, but it's going to take time. I think it's going to take time to do some of these. And the, the trick in the early stage stages that we're in now is to, is to find a few of those things that we can make clear and then hope the rest of it starts to fall in line. Yeah. So while we're all here, and you all seem like <laughs> perfect, perfect um, people to ask about something that's been on my mind lately because of current events. Um, so we've talked recently on the podcast about how privacy relates to security, but generally from the perspective of keeping ourselves safe by guarding our privacy. Um, but there are occasionally external events, for example, terrorist attacks, hate crimes, acts of violence. Um, that make a lot of people start to have sort of a knee-jerk reaction to lean toward censorship and surveillance and all of the things that we've, you know, just talked about how we're against, right? And but all of these things in the interest of security. And I wondered how we can address that. And I, and how can we address that? Meaning us, the, you know, the three of us here. But also, how can we address that as just the geek community, the open source community, Linux journal readers? I thought that might be an interesting conversation to have. Boy, it's heavy, right? It's heavy. Yeah, well, it's it's heavy, but it's, it's, well, I mean, yeah. let me put an angle on it that may or may not be relevant, but I think it's actually 
true. So um, back in the 90s, um, the inventor of really the father of cognitive linguistics, George Lakoff, who's also an old friend, so I know about his stuff, wrote a book called Moral Politics. Um, the subtitle is What Conservatives Know That Liberals Don't. Um, he's a liberal, by the way. And um, and then later he wrote, uh, he changed that title to how liberals and conservatives think. But what it comes down to, I mean, you, you take, you take, pick any terrorist attack. There are sort of two angles on it. One is you can go for maximum protection um, and put, for example, you know, a police officer or a, uh, a metal detector, you know, have the, you know, take the homeland security approach to, to, to schools and churches and, and, and secure them in that kind of way. Um, or you can just say, you know what, life's too short <laughs> to, to, to bother with that. But the way George talks about it is that there are really two different philosophies here. One says the world is a dangerous place and you need to take maximum protection at all times in as many ways as you can because they're out to get us. And, and you can substitute any they you want there. And the other is the world is basically a good place and there are bad things that are going to happen there, but it's kind of a waste of a lot of time if you're spending that time doing nothing but securing yourself when in fact both things are true um uh, and and a an angle on that may be one that a cousin of mine who worked at a dangerous country which i'll leave unnamed um for now and uh for an ngo and he said he wanted he wanted what he called um graceful failure of his security systems. In other words, he didn't want to make them so difficult that he, he couldn't get into his own house very easily or, or, or anybody else could, but, but not wanted to make it easy enough for him to, to easily get in and out, but hard enough to for it's, make it hard for other people to get in. He, the, the, the example he used is he didn't have like barbed wire. He had like a very high, very thick hedge. So if somebody wanted to get over that hedge, they'd have to really work at it. And I think that somewhere in there is where we're going to end up going because, I mean, I, I think, for example, you know, with 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 passwords, um, I have 800 or so, and according to my password manager, which I don't even want to have an external password manager, but there are companies that do this. And it knows that there are 800 of them. There are a lot of repeats in there from way back. And it's such a pain in the ass to go over and change all of those. How much am I exposed? I don't know. How much time do I want to put into it? I don't know. I know I know what the right way to do it is if I started now. But there's also a part of me that thinks, why the hell do I even need logins and passwords in 2018? Can't we as technologists do better than that? And there's not an easy answer to any of those things. But there's probably some middle ground where we need to be building out where where we're not absorbed constantly by paranoia and security obsession and on the other hand you know we are safe i hope i've made that somewhat clear i don't know if i have what do you think corbin um yeah i, I think i think what you're saying is clear um i, I had a, some different thoughts that came to mind as you were speaking um um specifically um uh, we have this kind of, I mean, we have had uh, three, um, you know, kind of 
big events in the last week uh, before recording this um, that are obviously upsetting, that are obviously upsetting and all, you know, probably tie back to conversations that happened on the internet or messaging or propaganda that was around on the internet. And, um, you know, right now, the, you know, the boogeyman for today is Gab. Um, which yeah, is which a, I never heard of before today, by the way, which is was like, wow, I didn't know that existed. Yeah, I, I was, I, I think I'd heard the name um, and that was it. Um, but, you know, it, uh, it's been taken down more or less uh because or at least for the time being um because GoDaddy uh said you're not welcome here anymore mm. um, and in the past they have been blocked by apple and google um because they found their apps to be offensive um to their standards and it's really interesting it's a really interesting set of events uh because there's there's a lot of, you know, sticky points in there. I mean, I, I'm not saying GoDaddy did the wrong thing, but like, for example, on the services, like I want to build, our team is building. Um, we, we want to make sure that uh, we follow all existing laws, but we want to be very clear that we also don't censor. And that doesn't mean like, you know, Gab, well, they pandered to a specific group. Um, you know, either logo was a stupid frog. Um, but, and we're gonna do none of that. But we wanna make sure our tool is really useful for um, the journalist in Burma who really wants to keep their conversations and their privacy safe. Or we wanna keep our app really secure and private for the pastor in China who is spreading something as subversive as Christianity there. Um, and what that means though, is that someone like, well, one of these nut jobs we've seen recently, um, or, or, or any of the many we saw in Charlottesville or any other streets, uh, might take advantage of our service. Uh, you know, uh, our parent company owns uh, private internet access. It's a VPN service. So they have to struggle with this as well. There'll be good actors and there'll be bad actors. And, you know, when we actually interview candidates to work with us and our team, we actually ask them what they think about this kind of sticking point as part of the questions, because we want them to think about that, because the tools we're building don't exist and they enable people mm. to to have full control over their own data. But that also means someone who's like bad might not be found as early or or it might be harder to investigate afterwards because their data is all encrypted. Um, so, you know, what do you do? So we, we make sure like people are like, okay, working on this. Actually, the first job offer I ever had coming out of college was working for Sandia National Labs. And they wanted me to work on uh, the, nu the, weapon, the nuclear weapons. They wanted me to work on the electronics uh, for them. And that was the job offer. And uh, I turned it down uh, right away um, because I didn't really feel any desire to give power to governments. Mm. But I do feel a strong calling to give power to individuals. And yeah. so it just depends what you feel about it. And actually, you know, Doc, you and I talked about this once before. I mean, it's like, do you feel that people are generally, gen generally bad? If that's the case, then don't give them anything, right? 
Mm-hmm. If you feel that people are generally good and that some of them might actually be in danger and you can help them, uh, then give them everything. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the good will happen and the bad will happen. And hopefully the good significantly outweighs the bad. Um, we just want to make sure that like when we're fighting neo-Nazis, that we don't cheer on the creation of a government that looks like the Nazi government that's, that controls everything. Or that when we're fighting Russian trolls, we don't cheer on the creation of a government that looks like the Soviet government. I mean, we want to make sure that that our government's playing its role in defending your privacy. And we want to make sure that our products are also playing their role in defending your privacy. And we'll do that kind of regardless because we feel that that's the right thing to do. But yeah, it is like terrible that certain events yeah. happen. So, so an interesting thing here is that um, if you go back all the way to uh, the origin of networks, you know, what what um, really the Internet is is on a design that Paul Barron came up with for the U.S. Defense Department, frankly, uh, or something sure. around that in 1962, where he for the first time distinguished between a centralized network, which is all there was at the time, and which is the mainframe architecture, and and a decentralized one where you have many centers, and then a fully distributed one where everything is connected, but they're they're all each each is connected to each other as a peer, rather than um, anything being centralized. And the third one is basically what TCP/IP does. That's what HTTP does. It's it's a peer-to-peer end-to-end architecture one past what i mean what what baron imagined is that they're all connected at all times but in fact with the internet we're not on all the time if you take your computer offline you still have all your data um it's yours nothing's connected to it you are in fact completely secure except you're off the internet um what what's happened i mean it, it you know is that what we've done with platforms is created the decentralized the middle one of his you know, plan B, not plan C, not the Internet, but something intermediary. And that's what Gab is. That's what Twitter is. That's what Facebook is. That's what um, all of these platforms are. And for that matter, that's what every VPN is, though in a different way. I mean, all a VPN does is is give somebody, a, you know, a presence elsewhere as a point of departure on the Internet. And you can use onion routing as well to sort of mask where that is. Those are, I think, two really early efforts um, to to give us some agency on the internet. And I'm, I'm looking right now at, at, at the Gab site and, you know, it's a temporary thing where their CEO is saying that, uh, you know, we're working with the DOJ and the FBI to bring an alleged terrorist to justice and then that they're going to come back and so forth. But then I look a little deeper into what he was doing and, well, you know, it isn't just that he's a supporter of, of a political point of view. I'm not going to get specific about it. Um, but that, you know, as long as you have a platform and the platform has a capacity, um, to do anything, you're kind of responsible for that, you know, and that's, you know, I personally, I, you know, I, you know, I'm not necessarily with GoDaddy cutting him off, but I do understand it. You know, I do understand it because they have a responsibility and they have stockholders and they have, um, and they don't they don't want the burden of being on the crosshairs of 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 attackers of one kind or another. Um, we went over this last week. I mean, I, I I have 
a lot of friends at Harvard University, including a, um, Scott Bradner, who has the best, by far the best email address ever, which is sob at harvard.edu. Um, and he was in charge of security there for like 50 years. And um, and one of the great writers on networking, and he said, they're under attack at all times. I mean, there are institutions like that that are just under attack at all times. And I'm sure GoDaddy is, and probably Gab was, and probably will be. But as long as you're running something centralized, that's going to happen, right? There, there's, you're, you know, you're 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 at the mercy. But to me, the you know the ultimate, the the trick for some of us is to, and I'm one of them. And it's, this has been a, a an issue for us with Linux Journal, I think, from the very start, for everybody in the Linux world, is to kind of take a libertarian position without the politics. You know that we all are individual human beings. And we all need to be able to operate as individuals. But, you know, you, you get to that point in, in, in like the life of Brian, where Brian you know, sort of, you know, he was drafted as a messiah. He didn't want to be. And he yells to the crowd, you know, <laughs> we are all individuals, you know, and everybody shouts together. We are all individuals. Right. And then one guy yells, I'm not. <laughs> it, just, it, it gets it gets to the sort of the, the heart of this thing is that we need to be able to operate as individuals or as groups and with complete fluidity. You know, I I know when I'm moving in traffic, I'm part of traffic, I, but I'm still an autonomous being. And how do we do that without, you know, I mean, with, with the Googles and Facebooks and pretty much the everybody else's of the world that wants to be in business and wants a lot of customers on their platform has to do is create a platform. That's what Uber does. I mean, I but I'd like to do... I want to call for a car and call out simultaneously to Uber and Lyft and who get and whoever else happens to be operating at that time, including all of the taxis or any individual who has a, a seat and I can trust in some way. But the easiest way to set something up is with a platform, right? It's just we know how to make platforms. And frankly, Linux is really good for doing that. You want to make a platform? Linux can help you with that. You want to do something completely independent? It could help you with that too. You could you could do either one. It isn't that it has to be stuck in client serverville. But but this is a tough one to work out because it's too easy to imagine the centralized or the slightly decentralized approach rather than the fully distributed one. You know, but we're going to have to do that, and it's you know it's tough to operate in that frontier. But we're going to have to do it. Yeah, uh, we we definitely want to operate more. Uh, I'm not again not saying GoDaddy's right or wrong, but we want to operate more in a space kind of like they are, like whereas we're providing a service as opposed to like a centralized platform. Now the fact that they do have the ability to cut you off means that there is a centralized piece, obviously, um, and there are decentralizing name coins out now. I mean that people could use instead of using uh, you know kind of the standard registrars, um, but uh, we want to be able to say like, hey, uh, so-and-so's hosting content that maybe, uh, you know, is, is offensive to the laws in Germany. Um, we can cut off their account, but we can't, yeah. we can't give you their data because we don't have it. We can't give you their personal information because we have a very limited amount of that, you know, maybe just their email address. Um, but we can, like, if they are, like, legitimately breaking the law, we can cut it off, right? Yeah. And so I want to make sure, like, we're not, we're not the law. We're not the judge, the jury, any of that. But we want to make it very clear to the users that this is all we know about you. 
And if you do step outside the lines of our policies, which should be very light, or the governmental policies of, well, kind of the Internet's a worldwide thing, so the governmental policies of anywhere, um, then, yeah, we might have to cut you off. But that's all we'll do. We won't, we won't give away anything about you as part of cutting you off. It'll just be, okay, we can't, we can't serve you anymore. But that means we have a centralized piece, too. Because there's this weird world where, like, yeah, we want to be decentralized, but we also want to, like, access everything really easily from the cloud. And so one of the services we're building is a tunneling service, which so you can get your box running in your pocket or at home, mm-hmm. broadcast out to the rest of the world so it can receive emails or whatever it needs to do. Well, a tunneling service is a, a centralized piece. Uh, yeah. But we want it to make sure like it's a conduit. Like we're, we don't look at your data, we don't have your data, it's just going through us. But, but still, yeah, we could control the traffic in some way. Good information. So, Corbin, after you've given us all this great advice and shared your opinions, where can our listeners find out more, especially about the projects you have in the pipeline? Um, where where should they look to you for announcements? <laughs> um, that's a really great question. Uh, so, for the project that's out there for Userland, um, you know, you go to the freenode.live website, check out the talk we're going to give. Go to the Play Store because we're only Android right now, but we will be iOS in the future once our cloud services are ready. Um, you can go to the Play Store, read about the Uslan app, download it, give us feedback, even if it's bad. Um, and uh, that's where you can find out about Uslan. Uslan also has a, a Twitter account, yay, um, <laughs> yeah. at Uslan Tech. Uh, and so that's Uslan is a little bit more out there. We also have Uslan.tech, the website. Uh, that website is kind of nothing right now, but will be something much more special by like this weekend. Um, now for the projects that are coming, um, we don't we don't have any of that messaging set up. We're kind of skunks works right now. Um, we do have some domain names. Uh, expect to see something showing up at at holepunch.io. That'll be our tunneling service, and it should be coming out around the new year, um, or maybe just after to the public. But it should be like beta around the new year. And then for our bigger project, which kind of solves some of these points or, or kind of does a lot of those other things I talked about, um, we, just, we have no web presence at all right now. Um, so uh, I'll probably, you'll probably see something from the Use Lana account. You might see something from like uh, one of the other London Trust accounts, like P- private internet access might help us promote um, our services that are similar. Uh, or maybe you'll come back on and do the podcast again, maybe? Oh, yeah, there you go. Actually, yeah, I'd love to have that. Yeah. <laughs> that could be fun. There's a lot to report on, so yeah. 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 Well, great. Well, thank you both for all the good advice. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah. Fight the good fight. <laughs> <laughs> we will. Thanks a lot. Oh,